This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today I speak with Elliot Cowan. Elliot is an American-born healer, teacher, and author. He's the founder of the Blue Deer Center in Margaretville, New York, where he provides training in plant spirit medicine and other traditions. For many years, he apprenticed with the shaman Don Guadalupe Gonzalez Rios, who in 2000 ritually recognized Cowan as a guide to shamanic apprentices in the Huichol tradition. With Sounds True, Elliot has released a new edition of his classic book, Plant Spirit Medicine, a journey into the healing wisdom of plants. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Elliot and I spoke about what it means to engage in a friendship with plant spirits and how Elliot believes that friendship is the active ingredient in plant spirit medicine. We talked about the importance of connecting with plant spirits in your local area versus working with the spirits of plants from distant places. And finally, we talked about great teacher plants, such as marijuana and the plants from which ayahuasca is derived, and the dangers and potential benefits of working with such great teacher plants and the attitude of reverence that is required. Here's my conversation with Elliot Cowan. Elliot, the title of your book, Plant Spirit Medicine, That phrase, plant spirit medicine, is something that I've only been introduced to through you and your work. I'd never heard of it before. And I'm curious for our listeners if you would begin by explaining what you mean by plant spirit medicine. Okay, well, it's, it's um, by design, it has, uh, it's kind of a double entendre, which means, well, let me say this, first of all, that... Uh, it's a form of uh, doing healing work with plants, but not plants as objects or chemical factories, but as uh, spirit beings, uh, alive and feeling and wise and uh, connected to the world around them and to ourselves. So it's a way of relating to um, plants as sources of spiritual healing. And uh, we like to say that it is the spirit of the plant that has the unique capacity to touch and heal the spirit of a human being. So it's plant spirit medicine, meaning comes from the spirit of the plants, and it's also plant spirit medicine, meaning medicine for the uh, spirit of uh, of the people who are the uh, receivers of their of their uh, of their work. Now, help me understand what you mean by the spirit 
of the plant. I mean, I can imagine saying, okay, there are plants all around me where I'm living, where someone might be listening to this, but what do you mean that the plants have a spirit? Okay, well, a way of describing it is to say, well, a bit what I just said. In other words, mm, we have a view and an experience uh, that uh, plants uh, are not just some sort of... um, inferior, um, unintelligent being that offers nothing more than uh, an opportunity for exploitation or enrichment or something like that, but rather that they are, uh, spirit, they are spirits themselves. By that, I mean we're referring to plants as being uh, fully alive, uh, fully aware, full of feeling, in a deep and uh, sacred relationship to the world around us. That livingness of the plant uh, is what we, what I call uh, the plant spirit, or the spirit of the plant. Um, so um, there's different ways to think about that or talk about that, but uh, that's the way I would point to what I'm trying to... Uh, well, what I dub with that title of the spirit of the plant. It's the livingness and the wisdom and the awareness of the plant as a, as a uh, fellow being. So just to dig into it a little more, is it that each plant has a spirit or that like the species of a plant has a spirit well, or both? Well, it's primarily what you could call the spirit of the species because um, unlike human beings... Plants uh, really don't uh, identify themselves as individuals. And that's one of the reasons for their great capacity as spiritual healers. Because that uh, sense of being separate and individual, uh, that uh, is something that only human beings do, is actually um, a source of a lot of pain and suffering and illness. But um, plants don't uh, suffer uh, in that way. They don't suffer with the illusion of individuality. Um, They don't see themselves as uh, separate. Um, And yet there is a level of um, separateness or differentiation between, you know, there's the oak people and the, uh, you know, the rose people and so on and so forth, Uh, what we call different species of plants. Um, are different characteristics and have different roles to play in the world. And so we can talk about a spirit of the species of the plant. But so far as individuals are concerned, again, plants don't really see themselves that way. They see themselves, if you want to say it this way, as an expression of, um, all as an expression of uh, one overarching spirit. Now, there's this really intriguing quote from your book that I'd love to have you comment on, that plants know us and love us as grandchildren. When I read that, it kind of, you know, uh, turned me upside down for a moment. Hmm. Well, let me ask, in order to answer your question, I'd like to ask you what turned you upside down about it. Oh, thinking that I was the grandchild of plants and yet, you know, going out with a mower and mowing the lawn or, you know, all the other ways that I might relate to plants, I'm not thinking of them as 
my grandparents. Yeah. So that's kind of what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so um, when we say a grandparent, uh, what that word refers to, first of all, is somebody um, related to you, uh, somebody who loves you and cares about your welfare, uh, somebody who's much older than you and therefore uh, more experienced and wiser and um, has a lot to offer you in those ways. And I think that's a very uh, fair way of characterizing plants in their relationship to us. They've been around a lot longer than we have as human beings. And I think you could make a case to say that they're wiser than we are because uh, they uh, have found a way to get along with the world uh, for a long time in a very good way, uh, giving and receiving and uh, a mutual benefit to everything around them. And um, that's something we can learn about, how to live that way. And they are related to us because um, they they see us that way. They see us as... Uh, just as they don't see them as themselves as separate from each other as individual plants, you could say that they see all of the world, including us human beings, as um, expressions of spirit, and therefore made of the same stuff, made of the same elements, and related. We're all family. They see that, but they see us as um, younger. Um, um, grandchildren who have a lot to learn and can benefit from uh, their elders. And uh, that's where their great generosity comes from. Now, Elliot, I have to get some of these skeptical questions out of the way here at the beginning, sure. so I hope that's okay. Which Absolutely. is, I'm imagining someone listening saying, how the heck does Elliot know how the plants see us. I mean, he's a human. How does he know what's going on for the plants? Well, what I've discovered through my experience is that uh, anyone who approaches plants with a certain um, uh, openness, uh, demonstrating a certain humility and respect, and um, presenting, uh, you know, a heartfelt request, Um, can be shown and instructed by the plants in a way that uh, is very convincing. Now, in my case, my primary relationship with plants has to do, of course, with healing. And uh, they've shown me a great deal about healing, in particular about healing calling upon their uh, spirit resources. And I can say, I know that this is so because it works. You know, what they've shown me and what they've given me, I can say uh, I have confidence in that because it works to help people, and it works to help people in just the way they say it does. So, um, and this, by the way, this kind of approach that I'm talking about is something that uh, seems novel or exotic or even bizarre um, in our modern Western culture. Um but that's something, uh, a very uh, recent view. I mean, our distant ancestors uh, all used to view plants, and for that matter, the other aspects of the natural world in just this way. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I don't mind the skepticism. I, I enjoy skepticism if it's honest, you know, which says, uh, you know, well, that might be true. It might not be true. Well, let's try it out and see. That's uh, that's a healthy attitude, uh, as opposed to the attitude that already has his mind made up. Mm-hmm. So, and that's one of the um, great advantages of um, of healing as a, a path of uh, spiritual growth and inquiry, because of course healing is by nature, by definition, a practical art. And therefore, when you have seen or learned something as a healer, you always get a chance to check it out to see whether you're on track or not. And the proof of the pudding is, is it helpful? And uh, in my case, in the case of my students and colleagues, uh, we see evidence over and over again that it is practical. It does help. Therefore, we say, uh, it's got to be something to it. Now, in terms of healing, I think it's pretty well accepted that this plant or that plant has a certain herbal function, herbal properties. But when you're talking about spiritual healing with plants, you're really talking not just about use this plant if you have, you know, hives and it'll help take the itching away. You're talking about something else, yes? Yes, exactly. So what we're looking at is if we look at the hives or whatever the uh, symptom or whatever the manifestation may be, and the basic view is that um, the symptoms of illness are always an expression that something is uh, a little or more than a little out of balance. And uh, the kind of balance that we're particularly keen on noticing is that we see that the uh, that the whole world is uh, made of uh, a series of dancing relationships among some basic, uh, call them forces or energies that everything is made of. And if we're uh, living a life that is in balance with those forces or energies, um, that constitutes um, health and the absence of uh, symptoms which we see as messengers, such as an imbalance that needs a correction. So we're looking at that. And uh, the treatment um, also is directed at uh, taking the help of the plants who live in a, a beautiful state of balance to help uh, correct the imbalance. What we discover is that to the extent that balance can be restored, that the symptoms most often improve or disappear entirely, but not because we have treated the symptoms. So I hope that helps to uh, explain that. I'm wondering if you could give me an example from your healing work, and maybe early on in your life where you were first starting to really tune to this idea of plant-spirit medicine, you know, how it's distinct from herbalism. Maybe a, a living example would help us. Okay, well, um, there's many examples. It's hard to pick one at the, uh, top of, off the top of my head. But let me, um, there's, a, um, there's an example uh, I recall that I wrote about in my book of um, 
uh, I'll just uh, talk about this briefly, uh, who came and she had a number of symptoms, but one of the um, one of the main ones was she was having uh, respiratory di- difficulties. And um, in looking at, at her life and the way I'm speaking about, um, what stood out was that um, her um, relationship to a particular energy that expresses itself as, uh, as um, well, on the one hand, when we really deeply appreciate the value of someone or something, there's something in us that connects to that value in ourselves that allows us to appreciate that. And when that's present, when that person or that opportunity or that uh, object is lost to us for some way, for some reason, for instance, a loved one dying, um, what naturally arises is grief. And uh, grief arises not as a problem in itself, but as a healer to cleanse us of the pain of that loss and prepare us to receive something new from life. But if we're not well connected to that sense of value in ourselves, or even more commonly, if the experience of feeling the grief uh, is something that we suppress or uh, try to dissociate from because it's something we're afraid of feeling, then that uh, energy, instead of flowing and healing us, gets blocked up and creates uh, an unbalanced situation. So the woman I'm thinking of, uh, that was exactly the situation. Uh, She had suffered some great losses, which uh, she was never fully able to grieve. And uh, so I called upon a plant spirit to help her with that. And... um, she went into a, a deep um, grieving period and cried deeply, um, produced a lot of mucus and so on and so forth. And in a period of uh, a few days, that passed over. And um, she now had a much deeper and richer experience of her life. And as a little frosting on the cake, her lungs got better. So that would be uh, an example of what I'm talking about. Now, when you say you called on a plant spirit to help her, did yeah. you call on a particular plant spirit because you have a working set of correlations that when someone needs to release grief, call on this particular plant? Or was it something that just arose, you got a message, this is the plant this particular woman needs right now? Well, there's different ways to work with this, but I'll uh, speak about my approach, and that is to say that uh, this medicine really comes from a, a, a deeply personal relationship between the healer and the plant or plants that he or she is working with. Think of them like a plant friends. You need to make friends of the plants and find out who they are, what they have to offer. And uh, out of that friendship, you may say, well, um, if I come across somebody who needs some of what you particularly have to offer as the being you are, can I ask you for help for that person? And, of course, if it's a friend, they say, well, yes, of course. What are friends for? Of course I'll help out. Then the next step, 
is you say, well, if I need you that that kind of help for somebody else, how should I call on you? And the plant will inform you about that too. There's many different ways of calling for the medicine of the plant. Sometimes uh, uh, certain preparations of the flesh or plant are made under certain conditions, usually with prayers and so on. Um, sometimes, uh, particularly in the Amazon, uh, plant spirit healers uh, get the medicine of the plant in the form of a song, and they sing the medicine of the plant to the patient. Um, for some people, including myself, uh, the plant agrees that you can call on it to come through your hands and simply put your hands on the person they receive the medicine that way. There are many ways of doing it. The main thing is, uh, you know, how does the plant want to be called upon? And uh, if you go with that, then it'll show up. Now, it's a great mystery as to how that works, but the main thing is uh, the experience shows that it does work. Okay, now this is really cool. You're saying to me that the spirit of the plant comes through your hands. So, meaning you're not necessarily presenting your patient with the actual physical plant. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. Now, you said that the first step is becoming friends with the plants. And I'd be curious to know more what you really mean by that. Like, let's say someone listening says, I'd like to become friends with the plants in my part of the world, wherever Mm -hmm. I live, uh, on the hike that I take in my neighborhood or the plants that are in my backyard. How do I do that? Okay, well, um, it's uh, actually quite simple. Uh, There's different ways of approaching it, but uh, the first thing is, um, first of all, uh, just like uh, you would uh, if you want interest in developing a friendship with another human being, you want to spend some good quality time with them. So if there's a particular plant you're interested in getting to know, making friends with, the first step is uh, to go to the plant, introduce yourself, say hello, tell it your name. Um, give it thanks for um, the opportunity to visit with it in its home. It's nice to uh, praise it a little bit for its beauty or for its other qualities that you appreciate. And um, you can also say, well, I'm interested in getting to know you better, uh, and uh, I'm interested in what you may have to say if you have anything to say to me. Also very important, uh, since in that kind of a case you're asking for something from the plant, uh, to be in good relationship always means that there's a give and a take. Uh, there's an exchange involved. So if you're asking for something, you offer something back. Just like if you're mm, going to dinner at the home of some new friends, uh, they've invited you, and uh, you know people used to do this, I hope they still do, they say, oh, thank you very much for inviting me. What can I bring? And the person says, well, we're having such and such, so a nice bottle of red wine would be great, so you bring that. Now, in the case of um, you know people not having that kind of previous experience, I can say now that uh, particularly in this part of the world, meaning in what we call the new world, all the plants agree that... Uh, a good form of exchange that they appreciate and recognize is a little bit of tobacco. Um, So you go through all those processes and then you 
spend some time with the plant, quiet your mind, observe the plant, make sure it's not poisonous, ask permission, maybe taste a little bit, smell it, get a sense of how it relates to the other elements of the world, you know, what kind of soil does it like, how much sunlight, how much or little water does it like, how does it relate to other plants and animals, insects around it. And um, and just uh, quietly and respectfully spend some deep time with it that way. And when you do that very often, uh, you find yourself at a certain point moving into a place of, uh, it's quite hard to describe, but it's like merging with the plant. It's like almost like you feel like uh, there's no separation between you and the plant. And uh, that's one way that plants talk to you. Talking of the plants is not always in words, although it can be. It can be through feelings. It can be kinesthetically. It can be all kinds of ways. And then there's another uh, way to approach it, which is um, using some uh, methods from what I call household shamanism, which is the kind of shamanic activity that's safe and available for everyone who's interested, to um, enter into a waking dream state. And in that state, um, the spirit of the plant uh, often makes a very, um, you know, very striking appearance and shows you different things. It may speak your language. It may take you on an adventure. It may bring up different emotions. It's all different ways of the speaking of the plant. So um, those are the basics, and uh, it's uh, not difficult, but it it takes a little bit of time, some openness, humility, respect, and the willingness to give something back. You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive two free gifts just for visiting us. Just go to soundstrue.com backslash free gifts. That's soundstrue.com backslash free gifts. And now, back to Insights at the Edge. Now, circling back for a moment to you working with this woman who had respiratory trouble from grief that was stuck in her experience, and the spirit of a certain plant, you were able to bring it through your hands. Yes. Tell me more about how that works. I mean, just your experience of it. Does it feel a certain kind of way as something's emanating from your hands? Usually, yes, and it can take different forms. Sometimes it feels like heat. Sometimes it feels like a flow of something, which I would call energy, for lack of a better word. It uh, takes different forms. But in some way, you feel, I feel, I should say, there is a, a transmission of this, um, of this spirit energy. And um, then you know that um, that's complete. And... Um, in the approach that I use, which is based on my training and practice in uh, a particular aspect of classical Chinese medicine, there's also a way of assessing immediately uh, the effect 
of the treatment by uh, listening to the Chinese pulses, of which there are 12. So that's a, that's a, a great help. It's not the only way to do it, but that's, that's a, it's a good way in the way that I use and teach. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of friendship, because there's a quote from your book that I also really got my attention. There is only one active ingredient in plant medicines, friendship. And I'm curious, how many friends do you have out there, Elliot, in the plant (laughs) world? Are you a popular guy? Do you have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, or are you just close friends with a small small group? No, I don't have hundreds and hundreds. Um, but I do have an, a number. You know, honestly, I can't. I haven't kept count. Um, but um, I've uh, moved around a fair amount in my life and work, and um, and also, um, you know, I find myself working uh, and teaching in different parts of the world. Therefore, I've made it uh, sort of a practical point to focus. Uh, on plants that are very widely distributed so that, um, you know, they're highly effective in many different places. And then there are regional specialists and so forth, which uh, mm, I have fewer of. But I can't give you a number, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. The The main thing is what I practice myself and also what I teach to my students is something that I call letting the plants choose you and, uh, what I mean by that, in, instead of going out with your own agenda to find something for a particular purpose, you go out in nature and uh, just look at the different plants and watching for something that just feels especially attractive to you. That's what I call a plant uh, trying to get your attention because it has something to offer you. And in talking to people, whether or not they're healers or plant specialists, I find that many, if not most people, have at least one plant or large, like a tree or a small plant, that they just have some special feeling for. And I I say that's not just a one-way street. It's the way the plant, as I say, is getting your attention. It has something special to give you. And people feel that. That's why they like to be around those trees or other plants. So you go to those plants, and... um, and you um, get to know them in the way I'm talking about, and you find, if you're interested in healing, that most of them are very happy to uh, share with you their medicine to share with your brothers and sisters. Now, doing it that way, actually I find works better than going out with your own agenda to look for something specific, because you you don't really know what you're going to need Uh, because you don't know what people are going to be coming to you for help and what kind of problems they need help with and when you may need it and so on and so forth. But guess what? The plants know all that already. They already know who's going to be coming to you for help. And if you open yourself to letting them show you what medicine you need, you always find that you have the medicine you need when you need it. And uh, so a given person may have you know, five or 10 or 20 or 30 uh, plants that they relate to. Uh, Another one may have more or less, and it can grow and change over the years. But uh, that's the approach that I find works best. Can you share with me one or two of your plant 
spirit friends and how your friendship began? Well, my friendship began um, in almost every case in just the way I'm talking about. There are certain plants that I felt a certain attraction or affinity for, so I began to uh, talk and listen to them in very much the ways I described a few minutes ago. Um, you know, the natural, the other part of your question um, is a very natural question, but I'm a little shy about answering that, and I'll tell you why. Because um, very naturally, a person would like to know, well, what plant do you use um, in what way for this or that uh, sort of situation? And um, as I say, I'm a little shy about that because the essence of working this way is developing the relationship, the friendship, uh, as I call it, with the individual plant. And I find that, um, you know, plants, very much like human beings, are, are quite multifaceted. They have different aspects to their uh, personalities and their capacities. And uh, depending on the relationship they have with a human being, they may offer one or more of them to that person because they're a fit for that person. They may offer something quite distinct to somebody else, even though it's the same plant. So rather than saying, this plant is good for that condition for everybody, I say, get to know what the plant has to offer you. And that'll give you your strongest medicine. I think what I'm curious about is, you know, in the human realm, if I were to tell you how I met a really good friend of mine and what that experience was like and the magic that happened and how I felt this sense of recognition and what I said, what she said, what happened, you know, it would be an interesting story. And so I guess I'm curious if you have such a story from the beginning of one of your plant friendships? Well, I have many, many of those stories. Um, hmm. uh, well, okay, I'll, the one that's popping up in, in my mind right now uh, is uh, a, a small plant with a beautiful flower that I uh, first discovered in California when I was living there. And, um, you know, I got to know it uh, in the ways that... Um, um, that I described earlier. And when it got around to talking to me, and this was one of the plants that did talk to me in English, not all of them do talk in words at all, but it, it said um, that the medicine it had to offer was that of a messenger. And um, didn't have much more to say, and I puzzled over that for a long time. I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me figure out how that fit into anything that I could see any use for, and eventually I forgot all about it. Well, several years later, um, this was like in the very early years of my um, working with the plants and uh, in this way, and one thing that they didn't instruct me on was how to actually deliver the medicine uh, to the people. And... Uh, so the thing I started uh, experimenting with, first of all, was making uh, homeopathic preparations of the plants because I had experienced a uh, good homeopathic treatment and I was convinced that uh, there was something about the way they prepared those medicines that uh, gave them uh, something like the kind of depth that I was looking for. Uh, 
So I started off by um, having homeopathic preparations made of uh, the many plants that I was working with. Um, however, um, those uh, those plants um, were not in the homeopathic pharmacopoeia. I had a hard time finding uh, uh, a pharmaceutical health that would make them for me. I found one. But eventually the FDA started clamping down on them, saying that they weren't going to allow them to make any preparations that weren't in the official United States uh, homeopathic pharmacopoeia. And... Um, well, I'm skipping over a few stages here, but the long story short was uh, at a certain point I found myself without my supply of medicines. And um, and uh, I thought, well, surely this can't be the end of this whole uh, exploration and discovery. There's got to be some way. So I started brainstorming, you know. And that means just entertaining any wild-eyed idea that uh, occurred to one jotting it down without editing. And one of the wild ideas I thought would, was, um, wouldn't it be uh, interesting if there were a plant that uh, agreed to uh, summon those spirit remedies from other plants and act as a kind of a messenger? That would solve the problem, wouldn't it? I said, yes, it would, but only if that plant happened to be in the U.S. pharmacopoeia. <laughs> This is when I was still giving, uh, you know, homeopathic uh, remedies, either in liquid or uh, tablet form, so um, which I don't do anymore. But in any case, um, I thought that's a wild idea. But uh, let's see. So I took out my pharmacopoeia, and lo and behold, it was a very obscure remedy, but there it was. So. I went back to the dream state and uh, got in touch with this plant again. I said, uh, I laid out the whole thing and I said, uh, so um, would you be willing to um, act in this way to summon the other plant remedies for me so I could deliver them without, you know, danger of prosecution? And I said, well, I told you several years ago I was <laughs> I offered you that and uh, so what do you think? So, uh, I don't know for what reason, but that's uh, that's the one that popped into my mind. And so I started using that one um, ever since, and I still use it today. So when I do what I do now and teach to my students of um, this hands-on delivery, I always call upon my uh, messenger plant and ask it to bring whatever other plant um, is needed there, uh, bring it. Um, the bear and uh, ask it to come through my hands, and I put the hands on the person, and uh, they get they get a good dose of it. It works very well. Now, Elliot, I first just want to say that I'm quite enjoying this conversation with you, and oh, I think good. I'm enjoying it so much because you're introducing me to a way of looking at the world that I don't normally see. I don't normally look through the lens that you look through. So I want to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And uh, so I'm I'm happy to hear you say that. And that also uh, gives me an opportunity to make maybe a little plug or something. Because I want to say that, um, you know, in my work with plant spirit medicine, I have uh, two main offers aside from healing work per se. And one is that those people who are interested in learning to become plant spirit uh, healers uh, well, I have a professional training program for them. It's uh, quite long and demanding. 
but of course not everybody uh, is uh, interested or up for that sort of thing. So I also have another o- offering, which is a short course, a five-day course, um, which is an introduction to plant spirit medicine as a way of uh, not only talking about but actually experiencing this way of being in the world um, through the doorway that the plants offer us. And uh, so uh, they're both uh, really good offerings. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, one of the strongest statements that you make in the book, Plant Spirit Medicine, is that it's so much more powerful for somebody to work with plants in the place that they live versus working with plants from someplace far away. And I'm curious how you came to this discovery. Well, um, this is something that... uh, the person who I studied um, Chinese medicine from, who was not an herbalist but an acupuncturist, uh, this is something that he proposed. And uh, when he said it, something in me was, was resonated. Something in me felt that that was true. I didn't know why or how. But um, in my subsequent years of practice, I began to discover uh, what the wisdom of that was and is. So, um, as I said earlier, um, healing uh, is quite mysterious, uh, but uh, if we can say it's about anything, it's about balance and restoring balance. And um, But that raises the question of uh, balance with what? <laughs> and uh, one way of answering that is to say that uh, everything that uh, gave us our life uh, in the first place and maintains and nourishes and sustains our life is present and came from what we call the natural world or simply nature. That's what we're made of and uh, that's what sustains our life. And uh, so to be in good health is to be in balance with those forces that create and sustain the natural world. So it's about being in balance with nature. And that leads to another question, which is, uh, well, okay, where is nature? The answer to that question is always very simple. It's here. And by here, I mean wherever you are, that's where nature is for you. Wherever you live, that's the place to be in balance with because that's where you live. And that's the place that has what you need to be in balance and harmony with nature as it is. So, that's the reason I came to understand why uh, local plants are uh, have a special capacity. It's not that exotic plants uh, aren't helpful, mm, but uh, compared to the plants that live where you live, well, it's a somewhat reduced capacity because they're not in balance with it. So they have less capacity to help you be in balance with where you are. Now, I want to open up a pretty complex area, but I want to hear what you have to say about it, which is here okay. where I live in Boulder, Colorado. More yeah. and more people are journeying to South America to go on ayahuasca trips yes. and to work with a plant that's not grown in our local area, but yeah. one which they think is bringing very powerful 
plant medicine into their life. And so I'm curious, first of all, just what your view is of that. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a complex question, and um, it's something that uh, we could spend a lot of time with, which we don't really have right now. But um, when you're talking about, well, ayahuasca is actually a brew of at least two plants and usually more. But uh, when you're talking about plants of that kind, it's a, it's a whole different category uh, in itself than uh, I'm going to call other plants. It's a category of plants that I call sacred teacher plants. And um, in a certain way, they're not so much plants at all as they are uh, great uh, spiritual beings and teachers that have a lot to offer. Uh, enormously powerful. And they were put into different parts of the world to offer um, teachings and blessings to the people who live in the places where they were brought forth. Um, but because they are such great forces, uh, in order to engage them in a way that is safe and um, produces uh, benefit, um, they require quite a bit. They require uh, a whole set of conditions um, that um, makes them as safe as possible and also um, demonstrates uh, the respect that they feel is due to them, which uh, I wholeheartedly agree with. Now, mm, the problems uh, are that, um, uh, first of all, not uh, everybody who engages in these things is necessarily um, has that kind of innate, what I'm going to call a um, spiritual relatedness to the plant in the first place. And uh, beyond that, you know, the actual protocols and conditions and requirements and rituals conditions and uh, human guidance and so forth that the plant requires uh, is very hard to come by. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's uh, not a simple matter either. So that um, in a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, um, it can be a bit of a roll of the dice. Uh, Sometimes people engage with those plants uh, under less than ideal conditions from the point of view of the plant. And uh, sometimes they get, uh, you know, some glimpses and some benefits from it. Sometimes it works out okay. Sometimes not much happens. Sometimes they have a very hard time. And sometimes, when you, know, when you engage a great, great force like that without impeccable alignment, it can just run over you and create a lot of um, catastrophe in your life that, uh, unfortunately because it doesn't necessarily happen at the moment of the engagement. It can happen weeks or months or sometimes even later, long later down the line. Um, people don't even recognize that it has anything to do with what the plant may have considered a disrespectful engagement. So from the point of view of the plant, what would be yeah. sort of the bare minimum of a respectful engagement? Well, the thing is uh, that there's a whole set of, um, uh, let's call it instructions and agreements, a path that uh, came with the plant when it was brought into the world in the first place. And that is something 
that has been uh, carefully honored and uh, guarded and passed down uh, from generation to generation of um, elders in the traditions that, uh, you know, have a, a good relationship with the plant. And, of course, it varies uh, from place to place and from plant to plant. But, um, you know, those conditions, uh, were, those instructions were given to the people in the first place as part of the uh, presence of the plant. And uh, you could say from the point of view of the plant, the plant says, well, listen, um, you know, I have got a lot of good stuff uh, for people if you're the right person and uh, you've demonstrated that, um, you know, uh, you're uh, not only your good intention, but your humility and willingness to um, uh, do it uh, as instructed. And also, here's another thing about this, that there's also exchange, as I say, always involved in any relationship. And with these plants, they have so much to offer that the exchange is actually quite large, so large that if people really knew what the plant was uh, asking for, they may not be so eager to uh, jump in and, and go for it. What kind of exchange are you referring to there? Like, can you give me an example of what you think might well, be re- required? Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, well, with some plants and with uh, some conditions, you know, if a, a, a person is, um, let's say, uh, looking for and receiving a uh, some special gift, um, uh, a, a life-changing capacity, or a life-changing experience, a special gift of some kind of a, you know considerable magnitude. Well, in this realm, uh, one never receives a gift, a spiritual gift, only for their own use. Never. With any gift, they're always meant to benefit not only you, but more particularly, they're to be shared for the benefit of others. It's a requirement. It's part of the exchange. You know, it's not about an uh, individual enterprise. It's always meant to be uh, put at the service of your community. So in many cases, uh, particularly when a person receives a lot from one of these plants, what is required is nothing like less than a lifetime of service to your community. And uh, that can be very demanding because uh, in that in that situation you find yourself as very simply a, um, a uh, resource for your community and you have very little uh, individual say about uh, about your life at all. And uh, that's what I would consider a, uh, a true medicine man or woman or shaman. Um, that's their life. Now, some people are cut out for that, and some people aren't. Um, but that's an example. I mean, it may be an extreme example, but uh, I think I give you the. At very least, it um, I think gives you the sense of the dynamic I'm talking about. It's, there's a lot on offer. It's a very high-risk game because if the plant feels offended in any way, which uh, a lot of times people don't even know what the plant uh, considers an offense, 
because people, you know, have good intentions and they're good people and they're well-meaning, but uh, unfortunately ignorant because, you know, we haven't grown up in a society that that um, instructs us about how these things work. But if the plant um, feels that there's been an offense or an imbalance created, it um, considers um, compassionately that what is required is some very strong lessons for that person. And uh, they're kind of lessons that people aren't really so interested in. What might you be referring to? What would be an example of that? Well, it could be something like uh, a serious illness, a car accident, uh, loss of your money, um, collapse of your relationships. Okay, that all sounds very serious. Yeah, it's very serious. It can up to and including death. Um, so, you know, uh, when I say these things, um, it's never very, it doesn't make me very popular, but I say them because um, they need to be said. A couple more questions about these big plant spirit teachers, yes. whether it's peyote or ayahuasca, but, you know, in that category. Let's yes. say someone's trying to discern in their own life, am I called to this? or not. Yeah. You know, all kinds of friends of mine are reporting great discoveries, but I'm not sure if this is really for me or not. Mm -hmm. Could you help somebody in that discernment process? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not as simple as it uh, was back in the days when everyone was living in the village, you know, because, uh, you know, we're a society of uh, strangers to each other. But uh, I can give some guidelines, and that is... Um, First of all, if a person is really called to something like this, as a matter of fact, to any kind of deep spiritual engagement, at the right time, when the person is ready, what will show up is uh, the right teacher and the right doors opening to the authentic um, um, ancestral pathway. Um and if that doesn't show up, that means either it's not time yet or it's simply not for you. Now, this is a little different way of looking at it from the kind of person who says, I'm interested in this, I'm looking for this, I'm going to go for that. It's more like, uh, oh, I guess it's more like what I was saying about letting the plants, uh, you know, choose you. Um, but uh, so... You want to look for, um, okay, this seems interesting, this seems intriguing to me, other people are reporting this and that, is it for me? Well, first of all, look at it, is it, is it really calling you? Is it, uh, are the conditions and the guide and the teacher and so forth showing up? And even if that, that does happen, there's a further complication uh, in that, um, you know, the living human guide is always part of this. And uh, that person has to be uh, really impeccable. They have to have walked the path. They have to be initiated into it. And not only that, furtherly initiated by the plant itself to be a guide to others. One does not have the authority to um, uh, anoint themselves with this capacity. They have to be in good relationship with their own uh, communities and their own traditions and their own guides and teachers. And they have to be ethically really squeaky clean. Uh, 
and uncontaminated by the desire for financial gain or sexual opportunity or anything else like that. And that's not so easy to sort out. Uh, even though the person may be from the area that the plant uh, lives in or the people who engage it and uh, call themselves this or that, unfortunately it's not a guarantee that um, they really got what it takes. And I wish I didn't have to say this, but uh, I've seen enough uh, misfortune along the road here, wreckage along the road, that it just needs to be said. So it's um, it's a very, very high-stakes game, which means that there's a lot to be gained, but there's also a lot potentially that can be lost. So it's not to be taken lightly, and uh, it requires patience, openness, deep humility, and uh, willing to do um, what it what it takes. Once again, I want to say that... Um, that the reciprocity, the exchange, is crucial here. You know, if a if the plant, if one of these sacred teachers sees a person coming, um, who thinks that uh, you know they can do it their way, they say, "Well, this person isn't really getting the point. The point is not about that, and uh, they need some teaching here." And uh, some of them, as many of them. Can, uh, when they're not engaged, um, what I'm going to call correctly, instead of being a um, source of blessings, they turn as kind of tricksters. And they can sometimes lead a person down a garden path thinking they're receiving something good, but actually they're just being led down the garden path. So, you know, um, I'm saying this because you've asked me, and uh, so I've got to say it like I see it, and um, I'm speaking from experience. I appreciate that. And I want to continue down this line, okay. which is here I mentioned I live in the state of Colorado, where yes. it's now legal to ingest and smoke marijuana for both mm-hmm. recreational purposes as well as medical purposes. And I'm curious, what do you think would be a sacred relationship with marijuana that serves people versus not? knowing what you know right. about plant spirit well, medicine. Well, I have to say, I don't know, and that's an important point. Because, uh, you know, marijuana is one of these sacred teacher plants. But uh, then that raises the question is, uh, what, is the, um, what is the authentic uh, spiritual sacred path of the plant? And the answer is, so far as I see when I look around, I don't see anybody who knows, much less is uh, authorized uh, and initiated to guide others in it. Um, I'm sure it exists, but I haven't seen it. And um, so that makes the whole thing uh, uh, very dangerous in the sense that, um, you know, what people are getting, by and large, with rare exceptions, is a trickster. A very beguiling one. It's uh, beguiling and uh, deceptive in that way when it's engaged that way. So, um, 
since you're interested in this, I'm going to just bring one more example to bear. And another great um, spiritual um, teacher plant is tobacco. So, um, as I'm sure you and probably most of our listeners are aware, uh, tobacco has been and still is considered a sacred plant and used in ceremonial and prayer purposes by, so far as I know, virtually every indigenous people from the Arctic down to uh, the tip of South America. And uh, people have uh, gotten great benefit from this plant when they engage it in the sacred way that it requires. And it actually can protect people's health, among other things. On the other hand, it's very well known that if you have a poor relationship with this plant, it can kill you. It kills thousands and thousands of people every year in this country alone. So, can we say that uh, it's a, a bad plant? Can we say that it's a blessed plant? The answer to both questions is yes, and it depends on your relationship to it. And a healthy relationship? What would be the features of a healthy relationship to tobacco? I can imagine someone saying, come on, really? It's addictive. How could I have a healthy relationship with it? Well, if you are addicted to it, you do not have a healthy relationship to it. That's an easy one to sort out. But uh, actually, tobacco is, uh, in some ways, one of the easier ones to get along with. Um, There are a lot of people who uh, do have what I'm going to call a soul relationship to tobacco. Not everybody does, but a lot of people do. So it's available to a lot of people. It's much less specialized than something like ayahuasca or peyote. But the basics are, uh, first of all, um, it's um, one, of the, one of its greatest blessings is that it does have the capacity to help us hear the voice of divine, the voice of the sacred. And that's why indigenous peoples use it as an adjunct to prayer in ceremony and ritual, or even in their private prayers. So, when it's engaged in a way, first of all, in a legitimate um, um, ritual setting, and it's engaged with gratitude and respect, and used for those purposes of um, you know facilitating uh, hearing and conversing with divine, and another word for that is prayer, um, then it's very, very helpful. It has a great deal to offer. But anything short of that is not. So if you're smoking it uh, you know, to get a buzz, or you're smoking it because you're addicted, or you're smoking it because you feel empty if you don't, or smoking out of boredom, or if you're uh, whatever, well, you're engaging in a very da- dangerous plan, lethal. Uh, if you use it the other ways, um, it has a lot to offer. And as I say, kind of a side benefit is it uh, can actually uh, protect your health rather than tearing it down. So, Elliot, I just have a final question for you. It seems like the whole view you've been sharing in this conversation, speaking, if you will, from the perspective of plants, speaking from their perspective, that this is something that is not very well 
received. It's not common. I could imagine people making fun of it. It's not really where the culture is at as a whole today. And so I'm curious to know how you think your work and this view of looking at life from the perspective of the plant, being able to honor that and care for that, how that will make it into our everyday life here in the West. How do you see that happening? Do you see it happening? Is there an opening? Is it possible? Well, I would say yes. Um, I don't have um, illusions that this is going to be something that's quickly going to sweep the whole culture. No. But absolutely, I do see it happening. And um, part of that is that, um, you know, I have already have some level of experience with it. You know, the um, first uh, version of my book uh, has been out for uh, 19 years now. And um, it has touched a lot of people. And uh, that I take as evidence that um, there is, the reason it's touching people is that it's uh, touching on something that I feel is innate um, in all human beings. And the very fact that our society doesn't recognize, much less um, nourish that, um, means that people are thirsty and hungry for it. And uh, not everybody right now, because a lot of people are still busy distracting themselves in denial of the, um, of the real pain that comes from um, that uh, kind of innate engagement with the world is another way I'd say it with the plants in this case but the rest of the world too Um, it's our birthright and uh, so um, many people are a stage of openness and readiness to hear hear that and feel it and respond to it and um, now with this uh, second version of the book I, I, I expect it will continue to grow Likewise with the practice of plant spirit medicine. You know, I've been practicing it now for many years, and uh, many people I've trained are also. And, you know, uh, it really uh, makes a deep change in people, not just in their symptoms, although that's um, very important and appreciated, but it has a natural way of introducing people or reinforcing or nourishing this innate experience of uh, connectedness to the world. And uh, thirdly, I would say this, that um, just as, uh, as you're pointing out, the society uh, denigrates or makes fun of or has uh, cynicism about this uh, way of experiencing the world. Mm, Well, it's not just with plants. It's with everything. Uh, the whole world is seen as, at best, uh, offering uh, possibilities for exploitation and enrichment as natural resources, and at worst as uh, hostile and to be controlled by us, if at all possible, or at least indifferent to us and our concerns, all of which um, creates a society which is treating the natural world in a way that the natural world is responding to show us, to remind us that, you know what, 
that is not a sustainable way of living. It's something that's destroying the very natural world that is there to support us and has given us our life in the first place. And therefore, uh, the natural world is helping us out by showing us that uh, unsustainable means it will not be sustained. And therefore, uh, we find ourselves in all kinds of uh, uh, catastrophes and collapses happening societally and environmentally with the weather, with the pollution, with the every, you know, growing violence everywhere. You know, things are falling apart. Now, the, the hope and the blessing in that is that when it becomes so clear to people that that way of living in the world doesn't work, People have been blind to that because it's very beguiling. It seemed like uh, we were having a good time there for a while, but it's breaking down. And when more and more people begin to experience in their daily life, in their bones, in their daily experience, that this cannot work anymore, they will very, very naturally look for, well, what does work? And when they look for it, they're going to find it. And uh, plant spirit medicine is one of those small ways that they'll find it. Plant spirit medicine, by the way, is not just something that I invented or or um, or something like that. It is a, a particular revival of something that, in some form or other, every people has known and practiced and uh, and uh, treasured uh, since the beginning of humanity. So it's uh, it's just one way that that uh, view and experience of the world uh, proves itself that uh, the natural world is related to us. They really do. It does love us. They, it is our grandparents. We don't have to steal from it. We don't have to, mm, you know, try and control it or something like that. It has everything we need and it wants to give it to us. But you know. We have to get along with it in the ways that it's designed to be gotten along with. And that means um, treating it as uh, as a grandparent with that kind of love and respect and appreciation for what it has to offer, willingness to give something back, don't take more than you need, and return something when you do take something. Those are the basics of you know all the different spiritual approaches of the, of the peoples who have and survived all these thousands of years. So, in in the long run, will it um, will it continue to grow? I say absolutely. And uh, will that happen? Uh, you know, as a, uh, a sudden, overwhelming surge of popularity? No, I don't think so. And probably it wouldn't be a good sign if it did, because those things usually indicate a. Uh, uh, flash-in-the-pan kind of fascination that doesn't last very long. But this is something um, that is sustainable, that has very deep roots. And uh, the times are already upon us when people begin to realize that this is the kind of thing that they need that will contribute not only to our survival, but to a, uh, a full and rich and joyous human life, not necessarily an easy one, but a good one. I've been speaking with Elliot Cowan. 
He's the author of a new updated edition of the classic book, Plant Spirit Medicine, a journey into the healing wisdom of plants. Elliot, thank you. It's a conversation that's really sensitized me in a new way. I'm grateful. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for saying that. Soundstrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.